Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rewild My Bio. Thanks so much for joining me today. I am super grateful to have you with me for this episode, which I think is a very important topic. In fact, I'd like to start this episode with my gratitude for my two guests today for sharing their knowledge and experience as a woman specific to the topic that we're getting into today, which is menstruation and women's health, all things women's health, women's hormonal system, and all things infertility as well, which is a problem that seems to be more and more rampant in this modern civilized world we are living in. So my guests today are twofold. My first guest I would like to introduce to you is Dr. Lindsay Martins, and she is a doctor of naturopathic medicine who has been practicing in London, Ontario, Canada since 2006, and she works with women to optimize their fertility, balance their hormones, and become more deeply connected to their bodies and cyclic rhythms. Her foundational approach begins with helping women to understand how their feminine bodies function through the hormonal cycle and influence that that has on their body's expression of health. So Lindsay believes that once women are more connected with their bodies, they can more fully show up in their lives with vitality and joy in what they do. And we discuss her approach here today. So my second guest is uh, a guest and somewhat of a co-host, which I'm happy to have uh, with me here today, and that is my friend Hallie Rose. And Hallie is a social and lifestyle entrepreneur, if I say so myself, and she is the founder of Lunar Wild, a company that is dedicated to empowering women and the sacred alchemy of womanhood. So their focus is supporting and celebrating young women as they approach the onset of their first menstruation. So Hallie is also the host of the Thought Room podcast, and that's why I thought, hey, let's have Hallie on here. Obviously, I'm not a woman, so I can't really speak towards this with any type of authority or uh, experience. So I thought, let's get Hallie on here. And uh, actually, Hallie was so kind as well to offer a discount code to everything over at LunarWild.com. And uh, stay tuned because Hallie will tell us all about this amazing social enterprise that she started. So actually, I met Hallie uh, back in November of 2019, and I was actually on her podcast, The Thought Room. And I will share that link in the show notes, and I actually am uh, in the works of putting that here, making it available to you guys on this channel, as this podcast will also be uh, most likely available on hers. So doing a little episode swapping there, which is a lot of fun. But anyways, great podcast. And um, I would like to just say that, yes, yeah, so when I was on her podcast, um, you know, you well, one, I met her down at Solterra Healing Center. So when going down there to drink ayahuasca, Hallie was one of um, facilitators there in charge of media relations and whatnot, working with Solterra and had the opportunity to meet her. So when down there in that environment, you make really good bonds with uh, many people, right? So Hallie being one of them. So anyways, after the show, she kind of was uh, playfully razzing me about my language that I used here in the show. So I'm going to call myself out. Um, she had said, you kept calling us guys. And then I realized, um, yes, I did in fact call them guys. And to me, it was kind of gender neutral as a uh, group of people. But I understand the importance of uh, language without a doubt. And it's just a perfect timing for this episode, as a few of these episodes are um, right now, when we're looking at the language that we have that shapes the world around us. So 
in fact, it, it reminds me that I think for years I've been saying this um, about the word ginger. And in fact, I call myself a ginger in this episode. And um, I've also been called a ginger in a derogatory way. And I, and I know right now, maybe there's n- no space, maybe nobody wants to give me the time to say this, but without a doubt, my personal experience, and I guess everyone has an experience, um, and it shouldn't be, you know, lessered than anybody right now, but I've been called a ginger in a very derogatory way. And I know many gingers have, actually, in fact, I think most probably have, um, you know, and it, it's, it's something that, you know, happens when we're a kid and you're kind of bullied around it. And I mean, it's nothing that I don't think, um, me personally, I've been able to get over, but if I had to look deep at it, um, I mean, even thinking I used to hate the color of my hair, actually, as a kid, I didn't like it. I was different. And, I mean, I grew up in a predominantly white uh, town, small town farm boy, right? So everybody being white, I was different than, you know, majority of my peers and other people in school and that. So, um, yeah, and it wasn't until years later until I finally realized, hey, I think women like this my color of the hair. So then, of course, just, you know, but never really fully uh, addressing it, right? So it's just like, yeah, that that's a wound for, for me anyway. So language being very important and... Um, that's why I like doing this podcast. That's why why I enjoy um, my PhD. Uh, it's just, you know, I think as a farm boy, I grew up in that is my vocabulary. That is what I had learned. So for me, communication is what I love. That's why I do this podcast. So it's something that I try to become better at. So anyways, you know, in this episode, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of opportunity where I, I'm, I'm hopefully... Hopefully by doing this episode, men out there can get some benefit from this topic. So I am full disclosure here. I'm also a divorced man and I've had to the opportunity to learn these some of these things that we talk about today the hard way um, through making all too common mistakes that I think men make when it comes to holding space for their partner, uh, for their rhythms, um, for a woman's hormonal system. So I think that's an important topic and you know it's a mistake I wouldn't make again and I hope this show can help. Women first and foremost, yes, but I also believe there are men out there that could benefit from listening to this podcast all the way through. So this is kind of my disclaimer and my hope that you guys, men out there, are going to listen all the way through because it's an important stuff. Um, And again, not to make the mistakes that I think so many men make. Anyways, I also love, Lindsay brought up an interesting point from her professional experience and how most women only start learning about their menstrual cycle once they get pregnant. And it is wonderful, I think, that she can help them zoom out and be more kind of, you know, aware of their health from a holistic lens. And I think that's a beautiful thing about naturopathic medicine as addressing root causes, which we discussed. She does a great job discussing um, today. Um, So, yeah, I think it's great that she can help them change that mindset or that mindset. There might be something wrong with someone if they're not getting pregnant um, or if they're having cramps and things like that, you know, some, some of these things we discussed today, um, there's a lot of shame around in our culture. So I think it's wonderful that women have, uh, have this gift. We talk about this today of uh, being able to sharpen their intuition and deepen their communication uh, with their bodies. It's kind of, it's an amazing biofeedback in my opinion. And, um, and, and again, another show disclaimer for the men out there. Um, and I know who my audience is. I mean, actually it is more women than men, I am told. And I'm just trying to get you male listeners out there to, um, I guess, let's just, this is what I'm thinking right now. Anyways, it's just, uh, 
we talk about blood in this episode. And I believe we as a culture, um, you know, we don't really necessarily, we need to put our relationship with blood under the microscope on many levels. And um, this is the way I, be, I believe this is an important topic, and I'm glad we discussed it here today. Um, I know a lot of people that listen to the show like to hunt and fish and forage wild plants for their food. So if you hunt and fish, you've seen lots of blood. And I'm sure you've, you know, you are also, like me perhaps, maybe believe that people who eat meat should understand the the work and the the blood that is involved in that process. And I think we as a society try to remove ourselves from blood. So, you know, when I'm field dressing an animal and breaking it down the field, um, I'm engaged with it in such a way that I get to see the health of that animal. So I'm just thinking of these amazing biofeedback loops that we get through blood. And uh, Hallie brings up an awesome point about blood and how women can use this as feedback with their body. So again, I think this is a great conversation and something for everybody. Uh, we dive deep into the whole biomedical dominance over women's health domain, and I think we do a great job at offering alternatives, and alternatives like, say, uh, naturopathic medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, as well as self-care practices, um, and plenty of resources for small businesses like Lunar Wild, and uh, we also provide some good scientific research. So, so I will make sure to have everything for you guys in the show notes at uh, rewildmybio.com slash rewilding women's health. So that's rewildmybio slash rewilding women's health. So please stick around to the end um, and engage in a conversation that might make you afraid. It's 2020 and I'm starting to love actually saying that as a slogan for try something new. So yeah, it's, it's just been on the tip of my tongue lately. I'll just say, yeah, it's 2020. And to me, that just, I think it means uh, let's take a risk to better ourselves, to educate ourselves. And by doing that, we're empowering ourselves to be the best version of ourselves so that we can engage in community once again here as we get out of these uh, lockdowns and what have you. So anyways, empowerment is an amazing theme throughout this episode. And I just wanted to highlight that here. So please listen on to the end and empower yourself whether you're a woman, a man, you're black, you're white. If this show has empowered you, please share it with a friend. I greatly appreciate all you guys who have left feedback and comments. I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self-help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. Today we have a special episode because we are diving into the topic of women's health. In fact, we're not really diving into the topic of women's health. We are rewilding it, so to speak. And specifically, we are going to be talking today about fertility and menstruation or moon time. And to do that, I brought in two wild and wonderful women, Dr. Lindsay Martins. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, Hallie Rose. Hallie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sean. It's great to have you guys both here. Um, you know, and actually, as we were just chatting about, um, I was just thinking how spring is in the air, and there's something that seems to kind of be 
kind of in the subconscious on folks' minds, or at least it seems to be on mine, and I, and I, I realize this cyclical nature, and that is the thoughts of sex is in the air, right? You see the rabbits out, you see the birds and the bees, and everything in nature kind of waking up and looking or having that drive to, you know, procreate essentially. And so just the other day, I'm walking in the woods and I see flowers popping up and I'm thinking, oh, there we are. Like there's that masculine feminine energy, right? And to think that that masculine and feminine energy is in everything. However, it's rarely at the forefront of our minds and it's even less is it in our vocabulary and even more so for men, for someone like me to be even diving in and talking about women's health from, you know, talking about fertility and menstruation. Um, it's just kind of a taboo thing, right? And so I'm thinking like, you know what? Masculine and feminine energy, it's in everything. I have feminine energy in me. Women have feminine energy in them. And I just thought, you know, let's talk about fertility. And in fact, even even on the other side of that thing, let's talk about infertility. And, you know, ever since we've become domesticated and um, become removed from our natural world, I find with that has come this problem of infertility that seems to somewhat plague men and women in the 21st century. So I thought I'd hold a magnifying lens up to this whole topic. Um, like Hallie, as far as you, starting a business, um, Lunar Wild, and kind of giving that cultural zoomed out owl eyes perspective. And then Lindsay, with you, you know, talking about practical things women can do, um, your experience working with women, um, having, you know, getting them more in line with their cycles and things like that. I thought we could put together a pretty kick-ass women's health episode. So with that said, Hallie, maybe we'll start with you and kind of, um, if you don't mind sharing your story into creating Lunar Wild and you had even, um, on the website there, you, you have a story, um, a personal story that you shared. And I think it's so beautifully written. And I thought maybe you could share that whole journey into Lunar Wild for folks. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, so Lunar Wild, just to start off, is a company I birthed about three years ago. And it's a women and girls empowerment brand. And I became infatuated with this idea of rites of passage. And Sean, I know you and I have talked about rites of passage before. And in my life, where I was kind of having this quarter life crisis, I was looking around for, for eldership, for community, for guidance, and I really was just kind of feeling completely lost with my purpose in life. And I had gone on this 10-day vision quest and done three days fasting solo in the desert. And I put the career that I had at the time just kind of on pause, which was I I had nannied for a series of, of different uh, celebrities in New York City. And I just didn't really feel like that was my soul calling. And I came back from this profound experience in the desert where I spent a lot of time just considering the nature of what it meant to be human, what it meant to create, what it meant to contribute, and why was I here on this earth. When I got back to Brooklyn, I opened up this suitcase I have full of all of my diaries that I've been writing for over 20 years. So they go back as early as I think 1997. Um, and I sat down on the bed, sort of just determined to figure out like, what was my purpose and why was I here? And I started reading and I came across this one just absolutely beautiful journal entry. I was 14 years old. I just started spotting. So I was starting my period for the first time. And in detail, I recounted this interaction with my mother. And so 
as the story goes, my mother came to me when I had told her I started spotting. And unlike most girls, I feel like I was actually really excited to start my period because I was a little bit older. I felt like all my friends had it. And also I, I'd heard a lot about periods from my mom and she was pretty comfortable just, you know, like walking around, you know, like I had seen blood, I had seen pads, I had seen these things just kind of growing up. She wasn't hiding it or ashamed of it. So when it came to be my moon time, she came to me and she said, you know, the moment I found out I was having a daughter, I fantasized about this moment in my life with you. And she got all choked up and she told me all these just juicy, amazing, wild and wonderful tales about Aboriginal and Native American culture and this idea of the red tent and the moon lodge and this sacred place where women would go and be in communion with one another. And it was this time of the month where spiritually speaking, the veil was the thinnest between our world and the spiritual world. And so women would take that time to go into meditation and they would be with spirit and they would be clear channels for for what needed to come through to come through. And then after their moon time, they'd go back to the communities, they'd give the gifts, they'd give the wisdom and they'd integrate it. And it was taken very seriously. And a woman's menstrual blood was very, very sacred. In fact, many would argue that the, no offense, white male anthropologists who are going into these communities saying, oh, they're segregating the women. They're putting them away. They don't want them around the rest of the community while they're bleeding. They must think they're gross. They must think this and that. Um, they're not even allowed into the, the, the shaman's um, rituals or any of the community gatherings. But if you dig a little bit deeper, some of the indigenous perspectives are, well, yeah, a woman on her moon is so incredibly psychically potent and powerful that she could actually just throw off the the shaman you know the medicine mm -hmm. the medicine man or, or or what have you so um interesting to just mm -hmm. kind of tweak it and look at it through that lens and so here i was um 14 years old having this explained to me about my body and about the this was really the first time i understood that I was going to be going through sort of like monthly um, contrast, this idea of my body being linked with the cycles of the moon, the waxing and waning, the ebbing and flowing, the darkness and the light. And my mom said, you know, sometimes you'll just feel on top of the world. Your skin will be glowing. You'll feel sexy. Attention will come to you and you, you will just feel natural. You won't even know what's happening. You'll, you'll just exude it like an energy field from your body. And I, I think most women have experienced that when they're really on and they're kind of in that maiden phase of their cycle. And then she said, there will be other times where, you know, you're the archetype of the crone and this will be on your bleed and you, you'll, you'll go inward. You'll, you'll, that's a great time to create. That's a great time to just feel your feelings super deeply. And what a gift it is that as women, we have this biologically ingrained mechanism, which actually allows us to go through this emotional and physical purging every mm -hmm. single month, the cycles of renewal. So, you know, if you're 14 years old and you have, you have that handed to you, that, um, that really set, set me up for success. It really set me up to have, um, agency over my body to, 
to even in the future have conversations with lovers about my body. I, I just felt very, very confident moving forward into womanhood, being given all those tools. So it was in reading this journal entry that I thought, wow, there's something here. There's really something here. And I think that this is something that we are missing in Western culture, this idea of initiation of rites of passage. And so I created the Lunar Wild first period gift box, which is essentially this treasure chest full of amazing items made by all women run companies. It's all organic, it's eco-source. There's a sprinkling of different uh, menstrual products. There's different things to try, which I really love about this box because it's not like we're saying, hey, here's some tampons, that's the way, or here's some pads, that's the way. It's like, here's organic pads, organic tampons, here's a cloth pad, here's a menstrual cup, like try, like play around, figure out what works for your body. And then there's, of course, just an array of amazing self-care items in there, like bath salts with rose petals. And we talk about encouraging this ritual of moon time for young women and kind of really um, getting in touch with their bodies. There's a, there's a beautiful little book in there um, called Passage, A Girl's Guide. And it's got all these kind of stories that we're talking about here and ideas for tracking your moon cycle and, and things of that nature. So in short, um, that's, that's my little story behind the foundation of Winter Wild. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And I love so much about the story. Um, and, you know, you've seen the need right from a lack in our culture and providing value like that. And to be able to not only give, like you're saying, like organic pads and different products that they can try and experiment with, but also that um, invitation, I guess, to kind of harness that intuition that can be, uh, you know, cultivated during that time. I think that's something that, again, with rites of passage, I'm just thinking of myself, like my rites of passage and controlling over my body is something I had to uh, figure out for myself over a long period of time. There was never this opportunity, like a biological opportunity that gave me that, you know, and, and, and luckily for you, like you said, you had a very healthy experience with your mom. So yeah, what an amazing story. Um, Lindsay, let's, let's throw it over to you and get your biography into all things naturopathic medicine. And yeah. you could maybe tell us how exactly you got interested in specifically working with women and women's health. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I grew up in a home uh, where, where health was a major focus. My parents were, um, you know, nutrition was important. Body movement was important. So from a really young age, I remember we would have I don't remember like, you know, the book of home remedies on the, on the shelf. So when you were ill with something, we would go to that and make up, you know, the concoction of lemon and honey in warm water. Right. So that was always, a um, like an interplay into my childhood for sure. And, um, in my early teens, when I started menstruating, I, um, experienced really severe cramping, um, in my, I don't know, I was probably about a year or two into, uh, menstruating regularly. And to the point where I was, um, like I would miss school, I'd be vomiting. It was really, really intense. And it was at a point in time where my mom didn't really know what to do about it. And so we went to my doctor and the very typical advice at that point in time was to go on the birth control pill. Um, and here's some like really heavy, um, pain medications to use if needed as well. And so we did that. Um, I think I was about 13 or 14 years old. And at the same time as this was going on, my, I have two older sisters and one of my older sisters was experiencing um, some of her own health concerns and went to the naturopath in our city and had a great experience with that. 
and kind of told my parents like we sh- like Lindsay should go there let's take her there kind of thing mm-hmm. so we did and so for me um I feel very fortunate that probably within a year or two of being on the birth control pill we were in a naturopath's office and she was giving me other options and I was able to come back off of the birth control pill which is not a common story when somebody's mm-hmm. put on a birth control pill that early um and so it very quickly at a young age, I was kind of connected my, my hormone cycles and what naturopathic medicine could offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, suppressing my system was really not the best option and not um, sort of the ideal way for me to go with my own health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward, like, you know, a whole bunch of years and I uh, was married and trying to get pregnant. Um, again, my two older sisters um, struggled with their fertility and getting pregnant. So I kind of watched their journeys. And, and again, I was in a moment where naturopathic medicine offered me a lot of tools to help regulate my own cycle um, and have children. And so after I had my kids, I really brought that into my own practice a lot more. I was always working in women's health and I always treated fertility to a point. But after having my kids is when I really focused my practice on fertility because there's just so much more that women and and men, couples, have available to them to really support and optimize their health and their fertility um, that is not talked about or not um, given as options in more traditional fertility clinics. They're coming around a little bit more, which is amazing. But um, at the time that I really started diving into it myself, it wasn't there. Yeah. How long have you been practicing naturopathic medicine for now? Yeah, I was thinking about this today because this comes (laughs) up, right? Since 2006. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I feel very very old. Oh, no. Very young. (laughs) That's, uh, well, you know, and I I truly love your story and I find it uh, synonymous with so many others who are naturopathic into naturopathic medicine um, because it normally starts with that wanting to get at the root cause of something. There being right. pain and the conventional system essentially not providing it. So that's when kind of seeking alternative therapy, so to speak. So um, I just sure. I just love that. It was kind of your into everything as well. And, you know, uh, well, Hallie, when you were speaking, you had used the word gross, which I think gross has roots in like going back way back into like the history of the biomedical lexicon and all the words that they would use to describe the human body um, when working on cadavers and things like that is gross or grotesque, right? So it's, I think we we both kind of, or you guys both had said it, that at some point throughout history, we kind of handed over that onus of control or locus of control over to the the white coat mafia, as I sometimes call them, but handing it over to an external source of the biomedical model. And oftentimes that being, or or at least until very recently, dominated by males, right? So um, there's that loss of sovereignty and control over the body. So I thought maybe we could chat about that a little bit more. Um, And maybe, Lindsay, you could kind of explain how you work with clients to help them kind of take control again over their uh, menstruation and their moon cycle. Right. Yeah. So when I start with, I mean, women come to me in all sorts of varying places in their journeys and all sorts of varying um, places in their relationship with their own body. But a common thing that I see in practice is that women are not really connected to their hormonal cycle, their menstrual cycle, their cyclic rhythm until they're trying to get pregnant. And then they're trying to figure it out at that point in time. Um, And they have a real disconnect with their bodies at that time because they're like 
most of us have been put into this place of thinking that bleeding is gross, that they just need to like tamp it down or the days that they're not feeling awesome or they're maybe experiencing cramps or whatever, they just have to like push through. There's not an honoring of what the system is trying to do and what the rhythm of that is. And so there's a lot of education about what is the cyclic rhythm? What does it look like? Um, how do we honor it? And how each phase of that journey is so crucial to optimizing fertility. So um, many women may come to me and they've started tracking their cycles and paying a bit more attention. So they're really focused on their ovulation um, because that is like, right, that's the moment they're going to get pregnant. And it's important. It's super important, mm -hmm. but it's not the only piece of that, of those journeys. So we're trying to like really work on each phase and optimizing those. And their experience coming from if they've been into see their doctor or fertility clinic is that they've been looked at very um, from a very mechanical perspective and a very cut up into pieces perspective. Right. So there's, you know, blood work done on specific hormone levels and there's ultrasounds done on their uterus and ovaries. And then if everything kind of looks clear, mm -hmm. we're now in a place of um, unexplained infertility is how they get labeled. Or they'll find something and that is the cause. Like that is the one and only cause of what's going on. And mm -hmm. we're right. whole and complete beings. <laughs> right. And so we, you know, they're kind of coming from a place of like really being narrow focused in on what they're, what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. And I help to kind of broaden the perspective mm -hmm. and look at it from a whole place. So everything about their health, mindset, emotions, where they're at, but also their entire cyclic rhythm. Right. No, that's great. And I, I love that you touched on the, it was kind of the fallacy of materialistic science, which again is the basis of right. this biomedical model of health and nothing to, uh, you know, not to say that the biomedical model should be thrown out completely. There are benefits to these no. blood tests yeah, and all, the, and all of this stuff for yeah. sure. But to then just kind of blanket it as this one size fits all, like you say, we don't live in these Petri dishes where these perfect no. random control trial studies are, are, are done in the lab. So yeah, again, to, to pull in different, you know, different sources, say from whether it be the cycles of, you know, the moon, the stars, the um, what's going on in my individual life, what's going on in the collective right now, like given, and again, I, here it comes again, but coronavirus in these times of pandemic, how is this impacting our cycles, right? And I had seen you posted something on Instagram in that regard too, Lindsay. But before we, let's, I'd like to continue on this very yeah. topic because um, I think it's important in how we can kind of retake control or how women, we, I'm saying we, as, as if uh, I'm a woman, <laughs> but I am not a woman. So <laughs> you guys, how women can take control. Here's the thing though, I think, yeah, yeah. when anyone who is with or supporting a woman too, or has women mm. in their life, like they're a part of this process too. Right, yeah. So well, thank you. That's important. So I, important. I, I coined myself a feminist way back. Gosh, like going back <laughs> to like 2006 when I was in political science in my undergrad. And, and since then I've developed different, different views. I'm pro, I'm very much pro feminine. I don't know so much more. I think feminine feminism sometimes takes the feminine out of uh, this wonderful feminine energy we're talking about. But anyways, I digress. So yes, thank you for saying that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Hallie, I thought maybe you could uh, speak towards your experience as to, you know, the locus of control over your body and maybe your experience, um, you know, navigating the health realm or the biomedical system. Absolutely. Well, for just for a little background, you know, I grew up similar to Lindsay, it sounds like, where I came from a very holistic family. So both my mother and my father <clears throat> were doctors of chiropractic, are doctors of chiropractic. So 
you know, I was definitely a granola kid growing up. We had the homeopathic remedies on the counter. We were not taking um, any sort of like fever reducers or things like that. We were burning it out naturally. We were <laughs> running around barefoot, like that sort of thing. Um, and so where was I going with this? Um, so, so that was very much built into kind of like my, my model from the beginning. Um, I was even a home birth. I was a water birth. Yeah. My mom gave birth naturally to five children with no drugs. Mm. So <clears throat> that was where I was coming from. Now I did end up getting on birth control despite everything that I was raised in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, did that at I think about about 16 or 17. And I think for the next, uh, I guess, 10 years, I would cycle on and off of it. And that was kind of my, my solution. It was like, I had heard that maybe staying on birth control long-term was going to have detrimental effects to my fertility. And I wasn't really thinking about fertility at 16, 17, but I, I just intuitively knew that I didn't want to stay on anything <clears throat> any drug, like any pharmaceutical, anything for long periods of time. And that was just a personal choice. Now in 2016, I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease and also clinical depression. And so I, I entered this really dark portal of my life where things were just kind of becoming unmanageable and Um, that was actually probably six months before I started Lunar Wild. And part of this was just like me searching for answers, trying to get in touch with myself. And I made the decision to get off of birth control again, to try and figure out, you know, there's just too much going on with the Lyme's disease stuff. And I didn't know, you know, I needed to balance what I was putting in my body and really kind of go back to basics. So I got off of birth control and I hadn't been getting a period for a while because I was on the depot shot and, (laughs) and yeah. And, uh, so I got off and three months later, no period. And I was like, okay, well, my body's like in a high state of inflammation. There's a lot going on. It doesn't seem too weird was in contact with the doctors and they're like, oh yeah, that's, that's okay. That's normal. Six months go by. No period. Um, at this point I've kind of launched lunar wild as a concept and I'm really just like, (laughs) I'm speaking to people about periods. I'm, I'm, you know, standing on a podium saying how important it is for women to connect with their bodies. And inside I'm just feeling like the biggest fraud, like I'm devastated and I'm trying everything. Like I am reading book after book after book. I'm reading the period repair manual, which I'm sure um, Lindsay's probably come across. It's written by another ND. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm trying to eat all the right foods. Like I'm eating sweet potato and I'm trying to like ground. I'm literally walking on the ground. I'm trying all these things. A year goes by, no period. Um, And I'm astonished because, you know, I'm I'm a super healthy person. I'm active. I eat all organic. I'm just, I'm like, how can this be happening to me, to me? Um, so it was, it was about two years before I got my period back. And, um, you know, all throughout that time I was leading 
circles and things like that on, on how to reconnect with your cycle. And I was honest with people about how devastated I was to not have my natural period. And I think now having it back, it is something that I cherish and that I honor. Like you will never hear me until the day that I die curse my period. It has completely changed my relationship with it. When it comes, it's like this natural catharsis for me. So, um, yeah, I certainly had struggles with the system. The, I think the thing that ended up really making the biggest difference for me was I worked with a tantric coach, uh, mm-hmm. remotely. She's in Australia. Yeah. Okay. And I, I had gotten to the point I was so desperate. Um, I would have tried pretty much anything at that point, except what they were asking me to do, which was the doctors wanted to put me back on something to force my period to come, which I'm sure Lindsay can talk more about that later. But I was like, no, (laughs) the whole point is I got off pharmaceuticals to, to, to get my body, um, you know, kick, kicking its, its natural hormones back Mm -hmm. in. And the thing was, it just, it wasn't happening and they wanted to kind of force that, and Lindsay, again, I'm sure can speak to this, but what happens when we are putting synthetic things in our systems at these kind of increments, these specific increments every month where your body goes, well, I have that, I have that, I have that, I don't need to produce that, I have that, I'm getting that. And then when we remove it, the body's like, I'm not making that anymore. Like we've been getting that from somewhere else and it, it gets confusing. So at one point they did blood work on me and they said that my estrogen levels were they were the same as it was my estradiol levels were like someone going through menopause. Mm. And so, you know, you're, you're 27 years old and you feel like you're going through menopause and not just, not just not getting a period. I'm talking like debilitating fatigue and depression. I'm talking, my skin looked loose and flabby. There was no collagen. I did not feel like having sex. In fact, I don't think I had sex for like two years. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being another thing that actually helped kickstart. I'm not kidding. It was working with this tantric coach and doing emotional work. Wow. Yeah. And then the second thing was I became sexually active again for the first time in like a couple years. So amazing how the universe sends you through this. You know, I see the comparative or the synchronistic synchronicities throughout there and you're helping so many and, and throughout the process is helping yourself right so um yeah thanks for sharing Lindsay. i don't know if you have anything you you could comment there on on as far as um when we're talking about you know pharmaceuticals and the what can happen when women are on birth control for long periods of time and uh you know some of those things that we can do to to maybe come off if it's something that you want to do or or maybe why someone should be coming off and aligning themselves with their body's innate ability to do this on its own for sure yeah so the hormone system is a complete system. So when we are in here talking about women's health, I think sometimes it we hear, um, you know, menstrual cycles and periods. So we have this idea that we're talking about sex hormones, but we're not talking about just sex hormones. We're talking about the entirety of the hormonal system. It's a complete system and it all interacts with each other. So we're talking thyroid, adrenal glands, insulin, all of that, right? And it's a feedback mechanism, all of the, how it communicates. It's a system of communication and it has a feedback loop everywhere, basically. So, you know, if there's more, enough Like all things in nature, I guess, right? Yeah. Totally, (laughs) right? It's, yeah. I know, honestly, when I kind of step outside of, you know, the nitty gritty pieces of the hormonal system and you look at it and it's sort of like, it's a system of communication. Yeah. (laughs) It's a cyclic system. It's a very feminine system. Right. Um, 
So there's feedback loops. So if you have enough hormone somewhere, it's going to tell your body to shut it down in the creation process. And anytime we interject into that process, we're going to be tamping down our natural ability to create that feedback loop and to right. create um, our own hormones. And so that's one of the things that the birth control pill is going to do. It's going to give you enough hormone um, or your body's going to think it's getting enough hormone that it's going to start shutting down its own ability to um, build these hormones. Right. And then another thing I want to say here, which um, I think plays a role uh, in where and how the timing of when we're putting women and girls on birth control pill is there is about a seven-year process after the first menstruation that the a female body is maturing into its hormonal rhythm. And when we interject in that time frame, we're shutting the system down at a time that it's still growing and maturing. And that can really have detrimental effects going forward. Um, so there's a timeline there too, where it can be more impactful, more detrimental than it might be at a different point in a woman's life. Okay. Um, so you're saying within the first seven years or so after having, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's obviously a, right. a range, a, a range for right. okay. wow. but it's a maturing cycle. Okay. It doesn't, right. you don't start menstruating at, you know, let's say age 12 mm -hmm. and you are a fully matured hormonal cyclic woman at mm -hmm. that point in time, there's a maturing system that goes on and uh, we can see it as being about seven years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, it's, I, I have a, oh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, uh, Lindsay, just for those listening who maybe are not as familiar with this kind of holistic view of medicine that you're talking about and natural medicine, could you maybe compare from your perspective, holistic medicine versus like the standard medical model and how systems are interacting and maybe talk about um, treating symptoms and, and uh, underlying causes and things of that nature? Sure. I can, yeah, I can try. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think um, a more a more uh, kind of traditional, I guess, or Western medical model right now is that you present with a symptom, and they kind of okay that symptom is coming from this body system, and so here's the, where the problem is, and let's put something in that fixes that exact problem, mm -hmm. and then you're good. You should be good to go. And the reality is that any body system is interacting with another body system. You are like, you aren't, you don't walk around as like just a digestive system and just a <laughs> hormonal system, right? Like, or just an immune, just an immune system, as I keep hearing so much right now. Just an immune system. Yeah, no, yes. <laughs> we can't do anything to help our immune systems. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we can, and so what ends up happening is that we'll put something in that has repercussions in other systems. And this is where we get, you know, side effects and mm -hmm. all sorts of fun stuff happening that way. So when you step out of that and you take a look at what is the symptom that is coming up, what's the body expressing and where can we see, yes, it might be coming from one system. So for example, I have women coming in, they have really intense menstrual cramps. Yes. I'm focusing in on what's happening with their hormonal system, but I'm kind of stepping back to say, what else affects the hormonal system in that way? And where else might some of the um, imbalances or issues be coming from? Does that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it really Sorry, does. Ryan? Great. Thank you. 
Yeah, and, and I'm glad you said that too. And thanks for that because that's just it. I don't think many of us, I was going to ask if, if you guys think many women are being taught these, you know, self-care, how to embrace this this gift. But uh, to even wind, walk that question back, it's it, we're not even being taught outside of this biomedical model. We very much are looking at things from like systems of the body. So we've got, you know, uh, even down to like gynecology, right? We've just separate things down right to this very one study where it's like, again, everything is connected. So I think culturally speaking to have that education and, and thanks for saying that too, again, Hallie, because that is a huge mission of the show is trying to increase health science literacy and to understand that, yes, the biomedical model with surgeries and pharmaceuticals has a place, but it's only one place, right? And if we know where its limits on knowledge are and how it how it creates knowledge, then we're better off to have control over our health. So yeah, great question. Um, so yeah, I guess, well, how can we as a culture more healthfully honor, you know, this rite of passage or even start to be treating it like a rite of passage? I guess I could ask you both. I don't know if anything comes to mind, Hallie, what you think, how can we as a culture kind of more healthfully honor this? Yeah. Um, great question. And it's interesting. I, I was just flashed back to my work as an elementary school teacher before I was a nanny. So I, I think I told you this before, Sean, I worked right. in a Waldorf school. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and it was, it, Waldorf school is all the way, man. I'm, I'm such I a proponent, but yep. um, it was interesting. I was working in a, a newish school. They were three or four years old. We were still getting all of our classes and programs worked out. And what I noticed was this really interesting theme, which was, these parents at least really understood um, the importance of, of speaking about these sort of things. However, <laughs> it felt like the parents wanted me slash the school to be talking about puberty and, and these, you know, these coming of age rites of passage. Mm. And the school was going, well, yeah, but this is like a family thing. Um, families should be talking about this on their own, which valid, both arguments are really valid. And I think um, the problem was, and I saw this in the public schools as well, not just private schools, was like, nobody really wanted to take it on and do a really great job doing it. And the schools are saying it's parents' responsibility. Parents are saying it's the schools. Like everybody feels awkward. Why? Because psychologically, we all, even if it's deep, deep down mm -hmm. under a lot of basement layers, we all have our trauma. We all have our stories. We all have these cultural conditionings around sex For and sure. sexuality and shame. So it's still just one of those things that's kind of being swept under the rug. So how can we change that? Mm -hmm. First of all, it, it, it comes down to, again, this holistic idea of each one of us as an individual becoming the most whole and well-adjusted person that we can. Right. And then as we have children, raise children, we are acting um, embodying, imbuing, and coming from the space of empowerment and education about our own bodies. Right. And when a child sees their parents, um, and, and not only sees but feels, because children are incredibly empathic and intuitive, and when they see the model of a healthy relationship, when they see a mother who's who's comfortable talking about her moon blood, or mm. you know maybe or their, fa their father's comfortable like with I do yeah, right. 
Yeah. Totally. Father's like, and too, this is right? the yeah. thing about my father. Like, mm. my father, when I started Lunar Wild, he was like helping me pack period boxes. Oh, cool. Um, my dad's a chiropractor again, so sometimes he'll adjust me, and he can tell where he can tell if I'm on my menstrual cycle from from feeling my spine, right. and he can say, "Oh, you have like a lot of muscle tension in your lower back. Are you on your cycle? Are you about to start your cycle?" So, it was never something I was ashamed to talk about with my father and that has made all the difference. So I think it really does start there by empowering ourselves. Mm -hmm. I I led a a group call last night for a bunch of women on period sex. And that was the theme of it. And so we talked about kind of removing the shame around that. And in doing so as women, when we empower ourselves to, to play with these ideas or get comfortable with these ideas, then we have the tools to go speak with our partner and Mm. and start to tell them about, Hey, this is what, what would you feel about this? Or would you be willing to try this? And so, so yeah, in some, it it really comes from empowering ourselves and then being able to communicate effectively with others. That's lovely. Thanks for sharing that. Lindsay, I know you're big on, uh, you know, your work, helping women understand their body so they can fully show up and be present. Is there anything else you'd like to kind of add to that on that kind of, you know, eagle eye perspective as to what we can do or how culture can more healthfully, you know, honor this? Yeah. Yeah. Something I see, um, often is that as a, as a society, as a culture, we really embrace, um, this, kind of idea of success, of productivity, of, um, you know, always showing up happy and that Mm. kind of thing for a woman and how she rhythms, there's a period of her cycle where she's like that or where that maybe comes more easily, or that's more her natural state. And that feels amazing for her. And in that moment, she feels successful Mm. and then it shifts, (laughs) And there is a sense of failure that comes with that for Mm. women often because they don't understand why, you know, last week they felt amazing. They were getting all this stuff done. Their energy was high. They were happier. They were connected. Um, And now they just like don't want to do anything (laughs) or whatever it might feel like for them. And so I think there's an aspect of this where, uh, and it's, it's along the same lines of becoming really whole in ourselves Mm is being comfortable with the moments of our uncomfortableness, being comfortable with our moments of lower, um, what might look like lower energy or more internal energy. And so it's not so externally successful, traditionally speaking right now. Um, And when we can really embrace the whole rhythm of that, the whole cycle of that, then we can show up in each moment whole and complete. And that doesn't mean in each moment, high energy, super happy, super productive. It means showing up in whatever we're at in that whole place. That's great. Mm. And it's a great reminder. Yeah, that is. It's a great reminder for me uh, to hear you say that because I'm thinking, yeah, being tied with the moon, um, it's a it's a good uh, I guess for me as a as a man it's a good representation in my mind to think of women being tied to the moon and men being tied more to the sun and I found mm-hmm. even in myself uh, I mean, now I'm a I'm a fiery ginger so yeah very much connected to the sun but uh, <laughs> but uh, but beyond that I have noticed my uh, I guess moods being more seasonally uh, stable I guess whereas maybe right. with women it's coming going you know through a twenty eight day 
cycle essentially, right? So, and I think right. for me, understanding it, yes, those uh, that rhythm is just we're all vibrating at a different different frequency. So it's a matter of kind of tuning in if if you are with a partner, and yeah, to know those, yeah, to know each other at that level, right? For sure. Yeah, and it's and that each phase of that is right. Right. Each yeah. phase of that is powerful right? There's no Mm. phase of that, that it's a wrong phase or that something is wrong or your body is wrong. Mm. Um, and it is, it is really tricky when we are working in a society that more honors the, the 24 hour cycle and Mm. women do not cycle on a 24 hour clock. Right. No, that's just it to be able to see that I think would be great. No, go ahead, Allie. Oh, well, I was just, I was just loving what you said. And I was thinking about you know, you were saying it's not, it's not natural for us to be highly energetic all the time. And I was just thinking about even the seasons of the earth, like what would it be if ever we would just had bountiful food being grown all the time in like this manic way. And there was never any, like the earth never got a chance to rest and, and die off. And that sense of failure you're describing, I think is so real. And it is kind of that, um, that autumn of the woman, you know, where things are just like dying off right before you go into the winter. And so, and, and taking this into maybe something for men Mm -hmm. to know and to understand speaking from my personal experience, the sexiest men in the world to me were ones that could just powerfully hold my cycles. Mm -hmm. And no matter what, there's just this container of love. And it's like, maybe i freaked out. Like maybe I just acted like a child or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always come home to ourselves. I think, um, we always come back and well, at least I do. And I go, Mm -hmm. okay, sorry that I just got a little (laughs) crazy. Um, I realized what happened there. And again, a man can just be like, yeah, I I, I'm here. I see you versus like, yeah, you acted like a crazy bitch. You you were crazy. Yeah. You were crazy. Like that doesn't help. And then the shame compounds. And then what we learn as women is it's not safe for me to express yeah. my emotions. Absolutely. And that creates a cascade of problems, which I'm sure Lindsay could speak more to than I, but I mean, so we need to create environments where not just women, but men too feel yeah. that it's safe to express our emotions and that we don't have to suppress anything. We can be real and, and it can be communicated in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think just um, that dialogue is so important. I think men need to, you know, have it amongst themselves. They need to have a better understanding of it. I know I can definitely speak from my experience in the past and how, you know, I think guys get together and yeah, can you just say, Oh, she's just being a bitch. It's just that, you know what I mean? It's just that time of the month. And it's, it's such, it's such an easy way to pass the buck as if guys don't have their own shit that uh, pops up, whether it be, you know, like the man uh, flu, like the man. (laughs) It's a thing. It's a thing. Well said, well said, but you know what I mean? Like, it's just, uh, I think it is important to be like, okay, yeah, I, uh, it's hold space. Like you say, just to hold that space and, you know, hopefully it get it gets reciprocated. You know, you let, let love radiate without concern for results. But you know, when you're able to hold space, it gets held for you when, when you need it. Right. Whereas Mm -hmm. again, men thinking, Oh, I don't need help. I, I got this. I got this pulled together all the time, right? So, <laughs> um, well, you spoke about kind of in the individuation, which again, another another theme here. We all want to become that mighty oak tree from from the acorn, and I think that's an important process. So, for us to take care of ourselves, we can be that strong, mighty tree in the forest with the rest of the trees. So, what? Let's take it down a notch, maybe individually, um, Lindsay. I don't know if you can. What you know? 
what can women do um, who are listening that want you want to start, you know, something they can do in their daily life that they can increase control of their body and kind of get to know um, what their unique rhythm is. If they're, say, looking, whether they came off the birth control or I guess, yeah, how can women become more self-aware is my question. Yeah, so I'm going <clears> to <throat> maybe give two answers to this. Please. <laughs> First one and see where it goes. <laughs> so I always get women to just start by tracking and observing because for so long they have not even been connecting um, to what's happening for them. So a lot of women, um, when they're coming to see me and I'll like, one of my questions is, you know, what's your cycle like? Are you tracking it? And they'll say, oh, yes, I am. But their tracking is just like, I bled on this day. And then a month okay. goes by and then I bled on this day. No, you're changing every single day and we want to track what's changing every single day. Might not be massive changes, but we want to be tracking. So you want to track what's happening in your body, bleeding, cervical fluid changes, um, and any body symptoms you do experience. And you want to also be tracking your emotions, your mood, and what your sleep is looking like. Mm -hmm. And from there, you can start to see rhythms. And it takes time because we cycle on a, you know, about a 28 to 30 day process. So it's going to take a bit of time to really notice your trends, mm -hmm. but you'll start to notice things like, um, I was working with somebody who noticed that towards the very end of her bleeding, she sort of got this rush to organize things. And so then she just could plan for that, right? Like five days after I bleed is a great day for me to organize my pantry because that's when I'm in that energy and I'm in that mode, wow. um, or you know, different things like that. But once you mm -hmm. start tracking it and then you can start aligning your life and your structure into what you actually are built for during those phases, wow. where your actual energy mood, where your mind is at. Mm -hmm. And that can really relieve a lot of pressure off of trying to perform the exact same way every day. Right. Which is I think one of the biggest places that women get disconnected is this idea that they need to perform the same every single day. Right. Um, I think so we all, that's I think we all fall into that trap, right? There is that intuitive absolutely. energy of the day. And I think we all often just like nine to five, I do this every day. And it's just as someone who likes to plan and who has, you know, it's worked for me. I think there's that little bit of flexibility needed. So, and I think we're for all sure. kind of being called to that, especially right now. Right. And this, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so that works well for women who anybody, any woman can do this. Any woman is going to have a bit of a rhythm and a bit of a cycle, even if she's not cycling consistently, but it does work better for women who are cycling consistently. So for women who aren't cycling consistently, like to me, that needs treatment. Right. <laughs> to me, that's mm -hmm. not a healthy, um, optimized body. Right. Um, and so that's where you would maybe look at seeking out care from somebody who knows how to get that, right. that cycle and that rhythm back on track for you. I see. So yeah, that's the kind of twofold way. One is tracking yourself, but two, obviously, if it's become uh, problematic, like you say, where it's things aren't regular, then yeah. essentially working with, with someone. Um, okay, great. Um, as far as, uh, what about other lifestyle? I mean, I, I guess not to, not to go back to lifestyle. Cause obviously Hallie, everyone is different. And you had mentioned, you know, your lifestyle being on point doing things, but I mean, is there anything specific that you normally have, uh, you know, patients and clients do Lindsay around say other lifestyle things that they can, I guess, to start <laughs> maybe getting normalcy, let's say if things aren't regular. Right. So, um, and this is something that Hallie brought up too, was she was doing a lot of things, right? She was healthy. She was eating well, she was doing all this stuff, but it sounds like 
there was perhaps deeper pieces into like more of the emotional or spiritual place and to recognize that we can look really healthy on a physiological level and that we are still maybe not in a whole and complete way healthy. And I guess like me back that up. Mm -hmm. We all have our stuff. So this is not a perfection place, but that there's places where we want to really be looking at this from a whole perspective. But um, another area is that to remember that we are, we are a part of nature. Like there is, this is not a design flaw that women cycle in the same way the seasons cycle and the same way the moon cycles like this, we are connected to this nature place. And so the more that you can be out in nature, the more that your body is going to align with this rhythm. Um, and we've seen that in like actual studies where they've, you know, done the moonlight for women and helped them to start ovulating. Really? Like this is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, we are very that, connected to this study. rhythm and to get out that? into that rhythm is important. Sorry. Yeah. Do you know who oh, did that study? Said, yeah. Cause I, I think I read, I was just reading that on um, Dr. Christine, Christian Northrup's Northrup's um, pay, on her page about the night lighting study. And so if I correct me, if I'm wrong, they took a bunch of women with irregular menstrual cycles and they had them put on a night light according to the kind of the moon phase, essentially to sync them up in essence, to kind of override all of the interference that we get now from unnatural lighting that we have around us all the time. So it was to mimic natural lighting. And I think a great deal of these women recovered fully and and synced up with the moon cycle. Yeah. And it also, the light was only, um, if I'm remembering it correctly, I'll see if I can find it. And yeah, we'll we'll throw it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, the light was only put on for three nights out of the whole month. And so it wasn't like this was a light that was every single night and adjusting it was a full moonlight for three nights and that was all oh yeah i have it here actually um one study more than two thousand women with irregular cycles over half of them achieved regular 29 day cycles by sleeping with a night light on by their bed for three days around ovulation wow yeah that's really i'm glad we brought that up and not just like you know stay in the same old physical activity, diet, meditation, to, to know, you know, that light, because that's something I've talked about many times before on the show is light as a nutrition, um, you know, light as therapy, essentially. And here we are seeing how it can help align us with our cycle. That's, yeah, that's pretty, that's amazing. Well, actually, it reminds me of, have you guys heard of the Pottinger's cats study? Are you familiar with this? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, whether I forget his training, but anyways, a, an individual, uh, from California, I think 1930s, 1940s basically had done nutrition related studies with cats and had found and fed basically one, and I'm not gonna remember the exact groups, but basically one group got a raw food diet and raw milk, um, organ meats. And the other one had been fed a good portion of cooked food. And then over the course of time, just the difference in that, which obviously the natural diet being raw food, um, I think it was the third generation is starting to see infertility, miscarriages, 
things like this, right? So again, going back to the body's wisdom um, and when right. there's health, you know, when, again, that feedback loop, hormones being present when we're getting good feedback. So if we're not in harmony or in balance with our local environment, then a miscarriage is essentially the wisdom of, you know, nature of our, of our body saying, maybe this right. isn't the right time right now, right? I know that's a very, right. it's a very hard thing to have to go through as a miscarriage. Um, but again, it's just kind of that innate knowledge of nature yeah. and the body. No, and it's something I ex- I experienced. I had two miscarriages, and and they were they are difficult, and I like mm-hmm. nobody ever wants to experience that. But there is it, when you can kind of step back and think, my body actually dealt with this perfectly. Right. Um, you can settle into to your body's wisdom right. a little bit more, right? Well, that's the thing too. There and there's that shame piece again. It's looking at the body as 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 a failure with this, you know, this biomedical right. Western lenses. It's like, oh, what, you know, it's it's this element of shame on 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 women and on men, right? It's just you know, it's yeah. it's and unfortunately, no. This is this is wisdom. This is again how we def- how we define success needs to be relooked at here because again, this is a, this is a successful thing essentially, despite it being hard. Um, yes. Well, is there any, any other things as far as, um, yeah, and I forget, I guess we were chatting about lifestyle related things. We started chatting about, um, yeah, miscarriage, light, um, anything else as I guess we can do. I mean, I I could jump in, but I I, I want Lindsay to feel complete with it. Um, Mm -hmm. are you complete Lindsay? I think so. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, I, I would, I would definitely echo the tracking of the cycle. Um, another thing that was that was helpful for me. And, and, you know, I, I'm not going to take a deep dive into the science of it. Anyone can, can Google it, but uh, seed cycling. Yes. So yeah. 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 So eating, um, I think it's, you can, you can help me out here, Lindsay, sunflower and sesame. It's, Um, uh, it's flaxseed and then flax and pumpkin and then sunflower and sesame. Right. Okay. Um, so anyone can kind of look that up mm-hmm. and, um, earthing, obviously we talked about that. Um, another thing for me that has been a, a point of interest has been just getting curious about the way that I manage my period, because I used to have a lot of cramps as well. And I, and I didn't realize until I started looking into this, but so many women were reporting having using tampons and having a lot of cramps. And then as soon as they switched away from tampons, Mm. not having cramps, like how could that be? What's going on here? And then I personally just got, got really lit up and interested and started looking at tampons. What's in a tampon? How come if, if we call Procter and Gamble, they won't tell me what's, what's in this? Um, how come we, we know cotton is one of the most sprayed crops that there is worldwide. Mm -hmm. And, um, kind of all the herbicides that are being used in some of these fields, they're finding frogs with their testicles growing inside of them from the mutation of, of these herbicides. So you think about something as porous as the vagina and you're putting these chemicals literally in your body, like a, a sponge full of chemicals to just be inside of you for four, five, six, seven, eight hours right. a day every month. And a lot of this is bioaccumulative. So to just like, again, this is just something we're not taught as women and there should be Mm -hmm. no like shame around if this isn't something that you've explored or thought about before, it's just an invitation to be like, Oh, okay. Um, 
I, I'm just going to make an empowered choice. You may still choose to be with tampons after that, um, but at least know that you've, you've done a little bit of digging. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, oh, go ahead. There's a piece in there too. Um, like a lot of what I do uh, is around Chinese medicine and Chinese medicine theory. And there is a piece in there around um, tampon use and how that is uh, going against the actual flow that your body is trying to do. So your body's trying to flow out at that point in time and you're using a tampon to like plug it basically. Mm-hmm. Whereas even when you use a menstrual cup instead, you're still allowing the flow to come down and then it's, so it's different. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot there even um, that have Found about down. releasing that and letting that flow out can help with um, the cramping quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So and to just curtail off that, since I have switched and I'm, I've gone t- toward the menstrual cup and then flea ble- free bleeding on my lighter days, yeah. I've watched my cycle change so much. For yeah. one, I, I have no, like I don't get acne. I don't get cramps. I don't get, the blood just comes. Um, I have like one heavy day and it's like four days. It's a really short cycle and it's just completely painless for me. And I actually really um, enjoy it. So so yeah, that's, that's been, that's been huge. And I, I can't uh, underscore the importance of that enough. And also mm-hmm. what I will say um, is that I really enjoyed the kind of intimate relationship I've been able to build with my blood as, as strange as that sounds. It's like, I spent the first 15 years of my period, not really seeing my blood. It's mm-hmm. just like a sponge that I was flushing down the toilet. Right. And now I learned that, wow, if I didn't have bright red blood this month, it means I didn't ovulate. Oh, wow. Cool. Like I didn't know any of this. And so now it's like, does my blood have a neutral smell? Like, what does it look like? Is it like more clotting? Like what's going on here? And Mm -hmm. and can I, do I need to adjust it in any any way, shape or form? So that's, um, that's been super that's, cool. I'm I'm jealous because men men don't get that feedback loop. Like no, really, you though, don't like, get that. You I'm, don't get that. Yeah, we <laughs> talk about it as being a vital sign. That, yeah. you know, the menstrual blood is a vital sign. And never have I thought of that. You want to know all about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, why not? Well, and that's just it. Like I'm going back to my times as a nutritionist. I mean, my claim to fame as a nutritionist came because not about talking about food. It's about talking about poop and what came out on the other end. Yeah, exactly. And what an amazing, you know, biofeedback that is exactly. to know exactly what's yep. going on in our digestive system. Right. So again, just super jealous. I don't have ways of getting to know what's going on on my body. I, you know, um, no, but thank you. And I guess what I will do is kind of add to this. I think, um, and again, having worked with women who had a goal to, um, you know, get pregnant and who had fertility problems. I'm thinking back to my days as a personal trainer and can't, I guess, you know, jokingly said this before, but yes, squats, um, moving the hips, moving the body. Um, but at the same time doing the yin and the yang. So meditating, right. And just sitting and asking, you know, I think this is good for anybody. Our body has wisdom as far as what is needed for healing and health. If we have something that we desire in life, whether it be, you know, having a kid, take that into meditation, sit, what do I need to do to, you know, achieve this essentially. Right. So asking that and then vision, visioning and dreaming it in from there on out. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. awesome. Well, I really, really, really do enjoy this conversation guys. We're coming on the hour mark, but I do get a few more questions. So what I was thinking is this is a far out conversation. I want to know what you guys think about what it's like to be a woman. You had mentioned this Hallie on your vision quest pondering this question while sitting out there fasting but to both you here we are you know we're having we're opening up 
this dialogue on this conversation that some would call new age. I think it's very important. But yeah, what is it like to you guys anyways? We'll start with you, Lindsay. What is it like for you to be a woman in 2020 in the current day? It's like a little crazy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mic truth. drop. <laughs> truth. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. It's really interesting because I think there's so many people that are open to this conversation and they can kind of stand outside of it and be like, oh, that, that's that's so cool that the menstrual cycle mimics our seasons. That's amazing. Oh, like this makes sense that women aren't supposed to be the same every day. Like, and they can kind of step outside of it and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the experience we need now is to really embody it. We need to be living through it. And that is still a struggle. It's a struggle for me still when, you know, I have a day where I'm not um, feeling the awesome high energy of my ovulation time. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And then it's like, nothing's wrong with me. Right. Like right. it's, it's still that programming is still in my mind. And I know it's still collectively around me, even though we're opening up to this conversation a lot more and we are still living in a world where there's a pressure, um, to be the same every day or to do the same tasks every day. Right. Like I have to get up and feed my kids every day <laughs> and, and it's, we're still in that. And so I know we don't necessarily need to get too much into what's going on in the world right now, but one of the beautiful things about the world right now is mm-hmm. this slowing down place where we have the ability to really honor our energy in a day differently than what we have been doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's, 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 it's been difficult in this. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. I love being a woman <laughs> and it's been tricky in a sense of, Knowing what I know and mm. then being able to implement and embody it every day is, it's hard. Yeah. yeah it can happen. be hard. There is still, I mean, and that's just it. I think right now the current times are showing us there are still a lot of old habits that we all have individually, you yeah. know, masculine, feminine energy, something's dying hard. Um, the masculine energy specifically more so like a, of a patriarchal essence is right. kind of dying hard right now. And then again, women are experiencing that too, right? And then coupling that with this natural cycles of, you know, of the month and things like that is again, just to know that it has an impact. I think it can, can increase control. And so, in so many, in so many good ways for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. What about you, Hallie? What do you think uh, right now? Interesting times um, as far as, you know, this conversation, what's it like for you to be a woman in 2020 right now? Yeah. Um, definitely wild times, uh, exciting and intense and um, just to go off of what Lindsay said a little bit, I I was thinking about that idea of the expectation of having the same energy every day. And she said, oh, I still have to get up and feed my kids. And I was thinking about sort of, again, this, this sense of grief that I feel for times past where we were in these like tribal communities and things like that, where women families would just say like, Hey, let me take your kids. You need to go sleep. Or, or if somebody had a particular role in the community and they were the healer, that takes a lot of energy. So their household chores and duties would just be done for them. And I, even in a modern way, got to observe that in the Waldorf schools where the moms would, you know, just like for the teachers, they would just show up with casseroles at our houses or they would just, you know, they would take care of each other's children and they'd Mm. say, yeah, give me your kids until tomorrow. 
Like you look like you need to rest. And there was no ego or shame around it, which mm-hmm. is the beautiful thing. Right. And that to me is the yin energy. It's just like receiving. Someone says, Hey, I see you. I recognize what's going on for you. I would like to give you this because I can. And then the other person accepts. Right. Not mm-hmm. like, oh no, 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 I got it. I got, got it, it all yeah. together. I can do it. Like I can juggle everything. That's illusion, right? right. So I think what we're seeing now as a collective is mm-hmm. just the breaking down of those old systems and all of us getting back to what's real. So yeah. true. And I think that's just it. I think that's part of the masculine uh, or that patriarchy again saying that, oh, women are expected to just get it all together, do it all, the kids get them ready and all that stuff. And it's just like anymore, it's like, well, wait a minute right here. You know, we have to be able to accept. And I think I had written down a few words just for, before getting on as to what def- divine feminine energy means to me. And yeah, one of the words is nurturing, right? Um, there is that innate ability to nurture, but at the same time, we've got to nurture our nurturers. And I think this culture doesn't always do a great job at that. So that's why I'm happy to have conversations like this um we have other words that came up too like intuitive intuitiveness such a beautiful word um and spontaneity again sometimes looked at like all over the place or messy where it's just like no this is a a sacred wonderful gift and thank goodness for spontaneity of life right because that's what makes it all so sweet sometimes when we get stuck into the same old same old right so um Mm -hmm. well a couple more questions for you both the kind of uh wrap-up questions i guess you'd call them um I'll throw this over to you first, Lindsay. What type of things do you like to do to tap into your wild soul for good health, healing, and challenging times? Um, I know we chatted all things women's health today, but what are some of the things that you like to do to keep you centered? Yeah. Um, I chuckle at this a little bit uh, because Adam will uh, have some things to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so one of the things I do, I do, I do a body connection kind of practice every day. It's meditative. Like it looks like a meditation. Mm -hmm. It looks like that, but, but it's me tapping into grounding myself into my body and where my body is energy at. Okay. It's often involving a candle and incense. And that's when Adam comes upstairs and thinks I'm going to burn the house down. So (laughs) (laughs) oh, that's, Hey, well, he's always like, what are you doing? (laughs) Tell him to leave his beef at the door. No, that's great. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. And again, talking about uh, that. I think one of the yeah. amazing, uh, amazing thing of feminine energy is that ability to create, right? So creating a space or creating an altar like that. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm living without a woman in my life right now. So um, if it wasn't for my plants, my place would look like a very functional dudes kind of place, right? There's yeah. there's that it's missing that creative essence, right? So, uh, but no, to be able to create like an altar and to have yeah. that intent and to be able to connect with your body every day like that, I think it's again another yeah. great feminine energy is that creation. So, um, yeah, yeah. Anything else or is that's, that's well, and then I do. And I think, um, we've talked about this a little bit, but I do really, uh, try to honor, um, especially the first couple of days of my bleeding to be quiet and slow. And, you know, I might make more of an effort to make sure I have a bath that day than I do on other days, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but just really honoring my self-care pieces and how they flow with my cycle. They don't, my self-care does not look the same every single day. There's some aspects are, but there's others that are really prominent during certain phases of my cycle. And and one aspect that I'm really more focused on currently is around those first couple of days of, of bleeding and really slowing down. Right. No, that's good. I'm glad you said that because that is one of those times. So for me, um, having been a holistic lifestyle coach, I think it was always important, um, or at least it was part of the, at least if a client was open to the idea of 
maybe skipping workouts or at least are really intense, you know, metabolic conditioning type days and just maybe those are meditation or yoga days. I think that's so brilliant, right? Yeah. How to weave that in. Yeah. To your- and it's just been recently that I've really allowed myself to skip the workouts those days, right? I I go mm-hmm. to the gym right. and uh, have, have somebody who programs for me and mm-hmm. And so now it's just like, That's sorry, cool. that was my day. And he's like, cool. <laughs> right on. Yeah. No, and even to pro- yeah, just it, programming it right into the, to the program is, is, is yeah. great when you can, right? Yeah, for sure. What about you, Hallie? What would you say? What helps you tap into your wild soul? Ooh, <laughs> well, I do a couple of things. Um, I have a playlist that I made on Spotify that's like this wild moon women playlist, oh, cool. a bunch of like tribal sort of like drum music. And sometimes I like to just like light a candle, turn all the lights off, get some good headphones in that allow me to move a lot. And sometimes I'll just get completely naked and just like <laughs> watch myself dance in mm. a mirror in the candlelight. And that mm. just like, I don't know, that just elicits such this like carnal sort of like wild feeling I let my mm-hmm. hair down I just like let my face make whatever shapes it wants to make and right. um so dancing like really getting in touch with that just following the intuitive motion of my body mm-hmm. um I've I've done yoni steams before a little bit so another thing for people to dive into if they're interested in that but you basically you can create these infusions um boiled water with herbs and then you kind of create like a a blanket like a tent around your waist and allow the steam to rise up and the herbs action and the herbs and the steam is absorbed into your yoni which is um yoni is sanskrit it's i mean it's another name for vagina Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's almost like this this um it's really sensual actually, Mm -hmm. because the heat and the steam creates all of this blood flow and you can actually choose certain herbs as particular medicine for something that might be going on with you. So if you, you know, are suffering from yeast infections, you might choose certain herbs and it, it, you know, so that's something fun for women to also play around with, to kind of get in touch with their wild. But then the last thing I'll say is, uh, drumming, yeah. drumming and vocalization. Mm-hmm. Right. I really feel like the feminine is this like expression, this emotion. So the more that you can channel yeah. that into whatever your art is, your music, your poetry, um, that that's definitely a great way, way to rewild mm-hmm. yourself and to come home to right. your body. For yeah. sure. No, thanks for saying the sounding too, because I'm actually thinking about, um, well, having, you know, seen some of your Instagram stories and you're just, whether it be with a drum or a guitar or some type of instrument and just kind of like letting out sounds, right? And it's something I'll do as well. And yeah, Lindsay, I really, I appreciate both you guys, how everyone seems to be coming together, socially cohesive, despite physical distance, right? Online and, and you know, providing whatever it is that you're, you're of service to the world. I think it's great. So yeah, thanks guys both for doing that. And yeah, I can definitely second your sounding practice, Hallie, because yeah, it's sometimes, and I think, I think, well, I specifically, I had learned sounding from a woman. Um, and I think that like, like you said, there is something about finding your voice. Um, I think men all too often, I've never had a problem finding my voice. I've always been a talkative, again, fiery redhead. So um, always found my voice, but again, sounding out what might not be considered culturally acceptable and how that can help us find our center and find our, you know, again, our wild soul. I think it's uh, often overlooked the ability of sound to do that, right? Sound and movement for sure. Um, Okay. Well, last question. 
would be for you, Lindsay, what is your wildest dream for the earth? <laughs> oh man, it's an interesting time to be asking that question. Right? For sure. I know it's, it's such a deep question and I hate throwing it on people sometimes. Actually, I love throwing it on people, but because <laughs> yeah. again, it, it's, it, I hate it because yes, it's deep and you could think about it forever. But again, it's kind of like you said, what comes through like right now? Like, yeah, yeah, it's a snapshot. So for sure. I know. And I mean, like you, I don't know exactly when this will get released, so I don't know where we'll be mm-hmm. um, in the world, but we have, you know, just moved through a time at least where we have had to really quiet down our activities and um, how we're connecting with people. And uh, I hope, I hope, I hope that we learn something. <laughs> yeah. Hope that we learn. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That we, that we're learning, you know, what matters, what matters to us in our homes and our families and where we want to expend our energy, um, where we want to spend our money, where we want to, you know, do our work, mm-hmm. um, and how we can really support the the nature mm-hmm. of our earth right. to thrive. Yeah. So I know that's not that's kind of a vague answer in some ways, but I think we're in a massive place of, like you said before, I think de- deconstructing and. And learning. And so I think, I hope that we yeah. really, we really take a pause yeah. at this moment. We're in a pause moment. Well said. And that's, I think you're right. I mean, it is, an, it's an opportunity to learn, right? Right now we've slowed things down. We have the space. Um, mm-hmm. like again, we've chatted all for this whole hour here about learning how our body has this unique cycle, how women's bodies has a unique cycle and rhythm. And to look at the earth cycles and rhythms right now, it's, there's a lot of warning signs that we're being shown. So again, I, I, I'm, I totally hear you and I pray that we learn too. And I think we will, I think, uh, we're we're pretty good at learning. Right. So, and, and again, that we've slowed down for the care of people who are vulnerable. I think that's a beautiful sign, whether, you know, we could argue both ways there. Um, but what we have done is, yeah, we, Karen, I hope we learn for sure. Yeah. Hallie, what about you? What's your wildest dream for the earth? Mm. My wildest dream for the earth is that we usher in new systems that allow each person to feel like they are in full personal alignment with source, whatever that means for them. I envision a world that is full of peace and harmony and that each person feels great. They wake up feeling empowered, enlivened, they're sharing their passions and they're doing so in a way that serves their highest good and also that does no harm to anyone else. And I think that that is the critical addendum to that because no doubt there are people out there that are um, doing things that make them very happy. But um, some of these, these people at the top, perhaps one could say that, that it is indeed doing harm. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to kind of reset the systems, create a world where we can, um, find fulfillment and act out of our highest good and the highest good of all beings. Right. And again, I think, yeah, we're learning right now how to do just that, how to, how to be, I'm hearing, I'm hearing the words connection, you know, the spirit, you know, it's kind of a spiritual utopia where we are learning, we're interacting 
in a feedback loop. Um, yeah, and we're being vulnerable. And I think uh, that's a beautiful world. To get there, I think we just got to keep doing podcasts, Hallie. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, right. Be so on let's, mine next. Let's, yeah, let's keep, <laughs> let's keep, uh, keep podcasts, all these alternative ways of knowing, which won't be so alternative in the future. Um, and, I, yeah, I thank you guys both for being there. Actually, yeah, let's do this. Hallie, just tell folks where they can find your podcast and more about Lunar Wild and all things like that that we'll be sure to have in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm mostly found on Instagram. My personal Instagram is Hallie underscore Rosebud. So that's H-A-L-L-I-E underscore Rosebud, like the flower. And the podcast is the Thought Room Podcast. That's at Thought Room Podcast on Instagram, um, thoughtroompodcast.com. Sean has been on on my podcast. Uh, So you should, anyone listening should definitely go listen to our episode together that was right after Sean's experience with ayahuasca yeah. at Soltara Healing Center. And then Lunar Wild is lunarwild.com mm-hmm. or at lunarwild on Instagram. And if we want, we can create a coupon code, Sean, for oh, your wow. listeners. Okay. And uh, offer a discount that we can put into the, into okay, into the, the show notes if yeah. you like. And Let's do that. We'll chat here in a second and then I'll we'll create a code and then I'll throw that into the uh, intro for sure. Perfect. Thank you so much. Excellent. That's amazing. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and mm-hmm. definitely check out Hallie's podcast. You, you don't have to check out the one with me. There's so many other amazing guests that have been <laughs> on your show, actually. And yeah, kudos to you. Just love seeing your podcast totally taking off. And, you know, you're traveling all around North America getting these awesome guests. So it's it's really, really great. Um, Lindsay, tell folks how they can find more about your work, um, any social media you'd want to share, um, and, mm-hmm. and in case anybody wants to maybe get in touch with you if they're in the London, Ontario region or if they're in, you know, greater Toronto and they want to travel to see you. Yeah. So, um, I'm on Instagram the most, uh, so that's at Lindsay M N D and my website is drlindsaymartins.com. Everything right now is being booked virtually. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm good, still available. Good, good. Well, there we um, go. Email me, my emails on there, my contacts on there okay. connects with me in any way that works for them. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much for both, you know, taking time out of your day to add your uh, perspective here. I couldn't have done it without you, literally. Um, And I think we put together a really one great episode that is just, I think, hopefully the first of many rewilding women's health. So thanks, guys, very much for being here. Thank you to all the listeners out there for checking this one out. I really do appreciate it. Um, And until next time, as always, stay wild. listening to the rewild my bio podcast please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this episode i would greatly appreciate it if you shared the show with your friends if of course you think they would like it you can also visit rewildmybio.com to download previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter in the newsletter i share blogs and bonus content from my health promotion research along with practical tips to help you rewild in a modern world Please follow along on Instagram and Facebook at RewildMyBio and on Twitter at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay wild.